Blog Talk Radio. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. What's wrong with you? My first thought would be alive. Time for the Kennedy Show. Whatever he is, he destroys you. Daniel You have tuned in to the Ken Reedy Show. Thank you so much for listening. We are on the road to WrestleMania. Rock versus Cena. The end of an era match. Taker versus Triple H. This week. We have HBK sticking his nose maybe where it doesn't belong. Mr. Anderson returns to TNA, a big week in wrestling, but one moment he clips them all, and that moment... And as always, my tag team partner, Dave, is on the line. Dave, how you doing today? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good. Tag me in. All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Generally, you look at guys, let's look right into this conversation. Um, you have your guys that are comic relief. It's always been a thing in professional wrestling. Over in TNA, you got a... Eric Young, who is kind of the cock relief over there, and right now he's co-holder of the Knockouts Tag Team title, if that's allowed or legal. But generally you have things like that. And you know what? At the last WWE pay-per-view, uh, Santino, the crowd is going absolutely bananas for Santino. And you had to think that if he were actually to beat Daniel Bryan for the heavyweight championship, the roof would have absolutely absolutely come off the, that place, and, and yet he's just, he's comic relief. So a guy who is beyond over right now with the crowd uh, finally gets a taste of gold, a former IC title holder, former tag title holder, uh, gets another taste of gold. Um, and, and I thought personally, um, you know, it's interesting that I honestly couldn't remember the last time Jack Swagger defended the title. I'd like to see more out of the U.S. title and the um, IC title. Uh, growing up, to me, those are the working man's titles. The heavyweight championship wasn't defended as often. Those championships were defended a lot. Um, what I did like, though, and it's, it's short-term, let's see if they can grow on it, I thought 
that Santino, in winning the title, created a moment. He he gave the title a bit of respect. He, however, acting or genuine, whatever you want to call it, um, he got choked up in the ring. He gave the title some meaning, which um, and gave it some prestige. He was happy and proud to have won the title, and and I thought that was a very big deal uh, for a title. You could kind of use a shot in the arm. What do you think about that, Dave? It's a good thing that you brought that up because I got something I want to say to some of your listeners out there and to the people that log onto your Facebook page, particularly a couple of different people. Guys like Bob Scott and Pat Crowley, I don't know you personally, so I can't really judge you by your character, but a lot of stuff you have to say about the wrestling product itself just comes off very negative. And let me fa- let's face it, guys, Vince McMahon and WWE Creative aren't out here to appease the two of you. Bob, in particular, you made a negative comment about the Santino win, stating that, well, the title was dead in the first place, so it doesn't make any sense, and he's already devo- Santino's already devalued the title. Santino's devalued the title. He's over like a million fucking dollars, all right, Bob? Everybody loves him. The Boston crowd loves him. They're putting him in a position because he's over, okay? Let's see if a guy like you can do what he can do. I certainly can't do it. I can't. I, I think I can speak for Ken saying he can't do it. You guys are just hanging on to the past. Wrestling has changed. Has it changed for the better? I would have to agree with you, no, it hasn't. But there are still some good things. It's not completely terrible. Have the secondary titles been devalued? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. But, like Ken said, it was a feel-good moment. Boston was hot for it. And guess what? They liked it. That's the crowd's approval. That's all that matters in creative and Vince McMahon's mind is that the crowd had approved of it. Not you, and certainly not Pat Crowley. Now that I got that off my chest, let's go on with the rest of the show. Wow. Well, there you go. Of course, we still want Pat and Bob to continue listening to the show. So if you're out there, call in and defend yourselves. Um, but, yeah, it's all in good fun. We're all wrestling fans. But, yeah, I you know, it's funny. I don't think Santino devalued the title as much as he he may have actually brought it up a little bit. I mean, again, I know he's comic relief, but he did create a moment. Um now, again, I think the title needs to be defended more. Uh, we need to see uh, Santino win a few title shots. I mean, here's here's what bothers me right now about the IC title and the U.S. title. Continually, the titles are not defended, and or and they have, like, non-title matchups in which the champions generally lose, um, or they stick the, the champs in, in tag matches. Um, it's, I don't know, it, it, like... They, I like those titles. I mean, like I said, growing up, those are the working man titles. Um, you know, I think it would serve a lot uh, to, to help with programming uh, to kind of beef up those belts. Uh, um, especially like right now, I find the WWE, to me, is kind of top-heavy. You know, you kind of watch WWE TV waiting to see a couple of storylines facilitate it, see where they're going. And then the rest of the two hours is kind of tough to watch, where I find right now, and i got to compliment them, uh, right now I think TNA is, is doing a good job at least giving you an entertaining two hours. They might not give you a wow moment, per se, uh, every week, 
Um, you might not have that great match, that great promo, but you get two hours of entertaining TV. Um, their titles, collectively, each one holds more value than the secondary titles do in the WWE, and, and I think they would serve them uh, right to do something with those titles. But I kind of agree with you. I think the Santino win uh, did a lot for it, and a guy who was that over, I mean, the crowd, but I, people can be in denial, and people could could sit there and say, oh, there's no way that Santino should ever win the heavyweight title. And, and you know, granted, I may actually agree with that. Um, but, like Dave's saying, this is sports entertainment, and at times you got to go where the crowd is, is taking you. If Santino beat Daniel Bryan, even if he lost the next night on Monday Night Raw, if he won that match, holy shit, that building would have blown up. It would have went nuts. Not only would the building have blown up, Ken, but people would have been talking about it all over the Internet. If you missed a pay-per-view, people would have been calling each other and saying, you're not going to believe what you just saw. Santino Morella, the ultimate underdog in wrestling, you know, the guy who nobody has ever taken seriously, just won the World Heavyweight title. You're going to have no choice but to tune into Monday Night Raw the next night. I'm not saying Santino would be a huge ratings boost and a spike, but it'll get people talking, and that's and that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do with the product is to get people talking. And to and be honest, I think, the, something like, I think something like that would work on a short-term basis. It wouldn't necessarily have to go long-term, but if it was a night or a week or maybe even two weeks, hell, even go for a month. You know, it, it, I think I think it would work, and it would it, it wouldn't devalue the championship by any means because um, you know championship belts. Uh, unfortunately, they're they're used as props, and and they're not used to facilitate storylines, or they're used as rewards to certain guys. Um, I think I think it would I think it would help Santino more than it would actually devalue the championship itself if he were to have ever won the title in that match. The thing is, the prospect of him winning the heavyweight title may have been the most exciting part of that pay per view. And kudos to the WWE and, and creative in, in that moment. They actually did, you know, in, in a match where you would think Santino was a throwaway, um, they actually had you believing he might possibly win it. Um, yeah. They did a really good job, I think. Uh, him and Daniel Bryan did a great job at, uh, you know, working together. And, um, you know, you kind of had that feeling, just, is he really going to pull this off? Are we really going to have WWE World Heavyweight Champion Santino Morella? Um, so it was an interesting moment in, in kind of a weak pay-per-view. Uh, that was the moment. And, you know, I was sitting in, in my living room watching it, and we were like, holy shit, is Santino going to win this? Um, which, again, is what you want in wrestling. The one thing that's missing a lot of times in wrestling is that, that you know, suspense, that, that wondering who's going to win. Um, you know, I feel like 90% of the matches you watch right now on WWE TV, you kind of know who's going to win. There's, there's not a lot of suspense on, oh, geez, who's going to win this match. They usually go with the obvious choice. Um, that was one of those moments where there was a little bit of suspense. So I thought they did a a decent job. And so kudos to Santino. Um, probably the, the biggest pop of the week. 
on, on all three shows was Santino winning the U.S. title. So uh, congratulations to him, and, and hopefully this is a step in the right direction for the U.S. title. Um, so a little bit about Santino. If you'd like to call in, give us a buzz, 347-838-9815. You can talk about Santino or whatever you want to talk about in the world of professional wrestling. If you'd like to contact me, email me, Ken, at thekenreadyshow.com. And uh, right now, actually on the Kenry Show website, that's thekenreadyshow.com. If you go there right now, I was lucky enough to spend a few minutes with former WWE superstar, CW uh, star, TNA as well, Anunzio, Nunzio, Little Guido, gone under so many names. Spent a few minutes with him, and that interview is up on the website right now, and that's the com. So if you'd like to go listen to that, um, like listen to this for the next couple hours, then go there and listen to Nunzio. Um, also, at the top of hour number two, at about 7 o'clock, we were very fortunate to uh, get Tommy Dreamer to uh, interview on the show. Um, Nunzio actually went into the locker room and uh, told him he had to do it. Now, Nunzio is a good guy, so I'd like to thank Nunzio and thank ECPW uh, for letting me set up shop there uh, at their show. Great show, great independent wrestling. Check them out. Their website is ECPW1. That's the number one, ecpw one dot com. Um, they're all doing uh, shows uh, around New York, New Jersey area. Um, Gino Caruso, who is the promoter, has always been real good to me, uh, getting me interviews. And uh, Nunzio kind of pleaded my case, so I got a uh, Tommy Dreamer. In it. It was, like Tommy came out, and Nunzio was like said to me, "You're lucky. He never does these, so you're really lucky you're going to get him on the show." And Tommy came out and said, "I never do these interviews." So I was kind of shitting my pants a bit. Uh, starting the interview, but a good guy, um, and it, it's amazing. I, as many wrestlers as I've met, especially the guys who are quote unquote the smaller guys, I'm always impressed at how goddamn big they are when you meet them in person. And I would not fuck with Tommy Dreamer. Um, he's just a he's a big thick guy, and I just would not mess with him. Um, but he talks about, uh, you know, a lot of stuff in the world of wrestling, some of uh, his history. So at 7 o'clock, we're going to play that interview uh, that we taped on Friday evening. Um, but let's get into it. We're in the, ro- the road to WrestleMania. Anything you'd like to talk about, if you'd like to hit on TNA, ROH had their 10-year anniversary. You want to hit on any of that, uh, give us a call. But we're going to start talking about the road to WrestleMania and I guess the big story uh, this week is HBK button his nose in where, quite frankly, it does not belong, in my humble opinion. Um, again, I'm not the big Shawn Michaels guy. I get that. But um, in a match such as this, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure it's necessary. Dave? I, I do agree with you. Um, I think... Um, I'm, I am a Shawn Michaels fan, big, big, big fan of his in-ring work, um, always have been for years. And, um, you know, when he retired, it was sad to see him go because I thought to myself, well, a lot of the quality of some, you know, not to disregard some of the other wrestlers on the roster, but, you know, the real exciting moments of matches you're not really going to um, see as much, uh, especially with a guy like him. 
uh, the quality of some of the matches might go down. But um, inserting him into this match, I don't think it is necessary. I mean, what are you going, like I said last on last week's show, what are you going to, what, what is he going to officiate? What is he going to have to enforce as a referee if you're inside hell in the cell? Especially with two guys like The Undertaker and Triple H who are just going to kill each other in there. And it, and it also takes away from The Undertaker and Triple H by having them involved in that match. Um, I think this adds more star power to it. And I think that I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to, especially with Undertaker, they're trying to recreate that magic that him and Shawn Michaels had a few years ago, um, at the, mainly from their first encounter of, at WrestleMania in Houston um, by inserting Shawn into this match as the referee. Um, it does add, there's some interesting possibilities as to what's going to happen. It gets people talking, and um, I like that. But I would have been okay if he wasn't the referee in this match. Um, if he were the referee in last year's match, I thought it would have been more interesting. But now you're inside hell in the cell, and this is the end of an era, apparently. You're probably not going to see these two ever compete against one another again. And um, now the real story is is... Who's you know how's Sean gonna officiate the match? Is he gonna you know is the obvious you know uh, option gonna be is him and Hunter gonna you know hang up and you know try and take out the Undertaker? Is he gonna call it down the middle? Is he gonna you know turn on Hunter? I mean, like I said last week, Sean came. My feeling before Monday night was Sean came to Raw to confront Hunter about Hunter being upset that Undertaker said Sean was better than him, and. Sean basically made it about himself, which, you know, that's Sean Michaels. Um, so I kind of hit that on the nail and give myself a Barry Horowitz pat on the back as we speak. Um, <laughs> but uh, it takes away from it takes away from the, the two performers in the ring itself, and hopefully Sean doesn't do that in, the, in this match. It's just uh, it's probably just going to be there for star power. But if you remember. Shawn Michaels has been very controversial as a referee over the years. The first match you ever refereed was The Undertaker versus uh, Bret Hart at SummerSlam in 1997, and there were some weird stipulations involved in that match. Number one, Bret Hart was the heel, and he was representing Canada, and if Bret Hart had lost the match, he would no longer be allowed to wrestle contractually in the United States. And the other stipulation was if Shawn Michaels were to intentionally cost Bret Hart the match, he also was not allowed to wrestle in the United States as well. And um, he nailed Undertaker with a chair by accident because Bret Hart kind of goaded him into it, and uh, he had no choice but to make the count, and Bret won. And so there's some history there that they could touch upon as far as Shawn Michaels' um, officiating skills or lack thereof. Um, But I just hope it doesn't you know, isn't solely put on Shawn Michaels, um, that the that this that the rest of this build has more of the focus and the attention on the fact that this is Hell in the Cell, this is gotta end and it's and it's going and it's an end of an era between two guys who helped define that era in Triple H and the Undertaker. And that's really all I have to say about that. But I'm looking forward to seeing what they got planned tomorrow night with Undertaker confronting Michaels and uh you know, where it's going to go. I'm optimistic about it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the the thing I, I have a problem with, I guess, is they're still billing it as, you know, an end-of-an-error match. And it, it does... It, it kind of pulls focus. 
Um, kind of like you're saying, I mean, it, it, it's becoming now more about Triple H and HBK, and you know, Taker's involvement in the streak almost is becoming secondary, which I, I, don't, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense to kind of push the streak off to the side a little bit, but, you know, it's it's kind of becoming, you know, I've always been better than you, you know, I'm going to prove I'm better than you, and, and so, like, like you know, take, you know, it's almost like two guys fighting over the same woman, and then it winds up becoming all about the two guys' egos, and, you know, the chick doesn't matter anymore. They're they're putting Taker in the streak in the chick role, which it's to me like kind of what broskies before hoskies exactly. <laughs> so I mean I, I mean that's I, I don't know I, I just it's um I it's tougher to like look at like HBK and like, you know like you're saying it's not a you know we're looking at a match that is uh, it's hell in the cell it's it's the referee is really there to count the three. Other than that, the ref is unnecessary. So, I don't know. It, it's a storyline that, to me, is just, it's okay with it being end of an era. And I don't think you have to expand on the storyline that much further. If you decided, and I'm one of those people that was not crazy about going Triple H, Taker, one more time. But if you decide to go that way, to me, that's all you need. End of an era, two guys, two grizzled veterans that are going to go out there and beat the shit out of each other just to prove once and for all who's the toughest son of a bitch in the business. And, you know, keep it simple. I, I don't think you need HBK at all. Um, you know, we'll see if the confrontation winds up being with... Uh, the Undertaker. I mean, who knows where they're going to go with this? I, I mean, the one thing you know, I was thinking when I was watching it, and again, Shawn Michaels has said repeatedly, out of respect uh, to the Undertaker, that he will not come back. He is retired. Taker retired him. Now, you know where they're going with this almost starts to. I don't know, it almost starts leaning toward are they going to have a, a Triple H Shawn Michaels match? Um, I can't like if if that's you know who knows I mean maybe Triple H has said that he wants his last match to be against Sean, uh, so maybe they'll do something where you know Taker gives Michaels special dispensation to come out of retirement or some shit like that. Um, but I don't know. I it just it, I don't know. It just seems like a, a bit too much. Like, I don't know why you, you you feel the need to add him. I know he's got some power, and I know. You know, there are a lot of people just, you know, as soon as his music hits, they, they go apeshit. Um, I don't I just, I, I'm kind of finding it a, a bit unnecessary. Um, you know, we'll see what he does on um, Monday night confronting The Undertaker. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's doing nothing for me. And if... It's even worse than being a zero to me because to me it's taking away. It's not even just a zero. It's 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 taking away from what I wanted to be is just kind of a you know man against man, you know mano a mano kind of you know who's going to be the tougher guy. And I, I don't know. I think Michael's just kind of I, I shouldn't say Michael, but adding anyone, just just adding anyone into it 
just kind of, you know, kills focus right now. Now, now it's like, you know, where this match was, uh, legend against legend, end of an era kind of match. It's, um, well, it was all about HBK's inability to break Taker's streak. Is it about the fact that Taker retired HBK? Is it about... Is it about Triple H versus The Undertaker? Is it about Triple H trying to prove that he's better than Shawn Michaels? Is it Shawn Michaels trying to screw his friend over because uh, his friend, you know, he doesn't want his friend to do what he couldn't do? I mean, I don't know. To me, it just kind of, the, the story kind of loses focus a little bit, adding a, a third element into it. The other, the other thing that they got that I think would be necessary is to mention, you know, Sean said it so nonchalantly, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I've been made the special guest referee for WrestleMania. Well, who appointed him that? And why would they put him in that position to make him the referee? Was it Laurinaitis? Certainly wasn't Teddy Long. I mean, I think it would be nice to know who made him the referee. Was it the board of directors? Who made him the referee and why? That would be pretty. That that would be interesting. I think that will get. I think that will get brought up to some, to a to a small degree. That will get brought up tomorrow night, um, mainly by you know by Michaels. But Taker will probably force that question. Like, who made you the referee? What's your purpose in all this? Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is think, kind of funny that uh, you know isn't Triple H supposed to be the CEO? Yeah, he's. I mean, the, he like doesn't even know that I mean, essentially, they could have done something like that where Triple H appointed him. And that would have maybe added a little more intrigue. You're right. It's like, all right, so who the hell uh, decided, yeah, all right, HBK is going to be the special guest referee. And to be honest right now, if Triple H is the CEO, I mean, essentially, wouldn't he be able to void it if he didn't like it? Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I guess you could say that, but at the same time, you know, yeah, a few months back, Vince McMahon was relieved of his duties uh, by the board, and Vince is supposed to be the top dog. So, I guess really, like you know, those titles that those guys have, as you know, as authoritative figures, you know, mean only so much. But you're really answering to a board of directors and and stockholders and shareholders in in in, in a storyline set. So, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. But you know, I think. I think what would be interesting if to kind of not save this portion of the angle, but to to, to maybe give a, a reasonable explanation is that, you know, Hunter went to the board without Michael's knowledge to make him the referee for this match so that Michael's could be the one to, so Hunter, Hunter could have, Hunter could force Michael's to be the guy to count the Undertaker's shoulders one, two, three, and watch Hunter do what Sean couldn't do, and that's end the streak. I mean, that's a possibility, but who knows? One and Michaels just doesn't bring the hand down for the three. Yeah, that that could that could be something else too. You know, do we see something like that? Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it does it does nothing for me. I'd rather, and and I get it. Again, I'm not a big Michaels guy. Got all the respect in the world for what he does in the ring. Um, 
I guess for me, like I, I always had a hard time identifying with with him as, uh, as a character. You know, I mean, call me crazy, but a you know middle aged guy prancing around a sexy boy and assless chaps just, I don't know, just didn't do it for me as a character. But I respect him. Um, and if they were gonna bring him back, I know he's immensely popular. Um, I, I know I get it that. You know, this is a logical place, I guess. But, you know, if they brought him back for something else, maybe would have added. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just think a third part is just unnecessary um, in this yeah. match. But, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. I'm going to head to the phones. We got a phone caller. Ray. Are you there? Hey, kid. Is Tony? Hey. Yep. How you doing, Tony? Uh, all right, actually, I think I might have a might have flu. Actually, I've been sick for the last few days. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it does. sure does. But uh, anyway, about um, Michaels and uh, you know, being the ref, I'm you know I guess I'm not surprised they went with it. Like I, I think I I wrote in the um, when I was recapping Raw, I was you know I, it was definitely something I don't think that they needed to do if they have to sell. Also, you know, it's like I, th- I kind of think they're kind of going a little overboard with the bells and whistles here. You know, it's wrong. a good point. I mean, in a match like that, the, the cell is almost another character. Um, so it, it really is, does yeah. become overkill. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, you know, like yeah, even with Michaels as the referee, it's like it's, it, I think it's becoming a little too predictable because you know, it's like you know, he's not gonna, you know, it's like at one point, he, one guy's gonna have the other pin, and he's not gonna make the count, or like you were saying, he'll hit, he'll be like. He'll you know do he'll do that. He'll give both of them a switch in music at one point during the match. I mean you know I mean it'd be I mean I'd be surprised if that's what they didn't do. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know I'm hoping it's a good match, but you know like I'm saying, it was like I think they're kind of going a little overboard. And even like like I know I wasn't really a big Shawn Michaels fan back in the day either because I was just like oh god, no, here comes the cocky pretty boy again. So, <laughs> like. Yeah, so it's like, you know, throughout his whole run, you know, like that, the sexy boy run, you know, when he was, like, just starting and everything, I just, like, feels like the gimmick was like, oh, my God, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was a Brett guy, to be honest, so it, it was, yeah. I, I just had to hate Sean. Yeah, I was actually, a, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, more, I was more of a Brett guy, too, I actually still am, so, you know, I actually have that, yeah, that DVD, The Greatest Robberies. That was very good. It is, yeah. They did a really good job with that. It, they did, yeah. They did do a great job. I, you know, and, um, and even the you know, like uh, the Iron Man match was good. You know, I mean, I know sometimes it gets a lot of flack for being boring or whatever, but I, I don't know, because I was, you know, I, I've watched that match a lot of times. I thought, I thought they did a good job with it. I think that's an excellent match. Um, it's funny because you, you talk about the Iron Man match and going back, like I've, I've appreciated that match as I've watched it years later. When I watched it live, um. I wasn't there, but watched it live on TV. Um, I hated the outcome. I hated the way it ended. I hated the overtime. I was one of those people sitting there, you know, he was in the sharpshooter, so Brett should have won. The match should have ended right there, but, you know, they restarted, yeah. and I hated the yeah, fact that, that he didn't, technically, uh, Sean didn't submit, so it was, you know. Yeah, If they were going to go to overtime, they should have had to put the sharpshooter on him again and then start from there. That was but, um, just basic, and you hate Sean Michaels. Come on, let's not bullshit <laughs> the people, okay? Yeah, that's the only reason why you like the match. You thought it was great, but you hated the finish. I thought it was a good finish. We'll, we'll agree to disagree, but just don't bullshit the fans and the people that listen. You don't like Sean Michaels, and I'll just leave it at that. 
I, I don't well, hate the, him, but yeah, like I said, the, I, I've I mean, always had trouble with, with his character. I, I've always just, again, all the respect in the world for his, his in-ring. Um, the character, I just, I, I always had trouble identifying with, with Michaels as a character. Um, so, yes, you know, yeah, that, same that, here. I mean, you know, it's like, even going into the match, all the hype, I mean, you know, it's like the whole thing was, oh, it's the boyhood dream and everything. So it's like, and he had never been WWF champion before. So it's like, you kind of, you know, it's like, you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, you knew who was going to win the belt. Yeah. So, um, I'd like to switch gears for a second, because we got Tony on the line. Tony, you were at the uh, indie show on Friday night. Um, can you tell us a little bit what happened? I know that there was something where uh, Psycho Sid was scheduled, um, and then he was a no-show. Could you tell us a little bit what happened at the indie show on Friday night? Uh, yeah, it was Promising Syndicate. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got there, and they made an announcement that Sid wasn't there, Um he called the guy at like ten in the morning or whatever. That he lost his wallet or whatever. I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't really sure what happened. The mic work in the, the mic work in the place wasn't the greatest, but um, I don't know. So he he didn't show up, and so Jay Lethal actually filled in, and it was Jay Lethal versus Matt Hardy. But Jay Lethal came out doing the Sid gimmick. It was it was hysterical. I mean, <laughs> they played the psycho the psycho music. You know, he came out. You know, uh, uh, Lethal came out doing the whole uh, psycho Sid routine. Uh, you know, go, who's the man? And I rule the world and all that stuff. And you know, he cut he cut a, a really like a hilarious promo before the match. And then he was, you know, it, uh, it was great. You know, and the fans were chanting, you know, like Macho Sid, Lethal Justice. You know, it's like he was doing, uh, you know, he, you know, he was doing like the figure four, the top rope elbow. You know, he was he was doing Sid Slayer and Piper or uh, Savage. Oh, really? I was, I was hoping he would do a Piper spot, but you know, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it 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 was great. That was that was one of my favorite parts of the show. It was, it was just, it was awesome. Was it a good show? It was. It was really fun. I mean, it, it went on a little long. There was like, there was like 14 matches all together. It was like, um, so it went a little long. But I, it, I thought overall, most most of the matches were really good. It was a match where um, Dan Moff, I don't know if you've ever seen him, he was he's another indie guy. He had a match against, Jerry Lynn and I don't know what happened, but you know I couldn't really see what happened. But during the match, Moff got he he got legit injured. I don't know what happened, but he was like you know he he like fell like right in the gar, on the guardrail right by where I was sitting, and he was like he was laying there for a good ten minutes. It was it was pretty scary to see that. Really, where where did he hit on the guardrail? Like what oh, part he, of his no, body he, did he hit? You know, I I I'm not sure what part of it, what you know, what part of his body, got, you know, where he got injured. It might have been his back or wherever, but you know, I know he was just, he was, he might, he might have even been unconscious for for a bit. I don't know, but he was, you wow. know, he was sitting, you know, he was laying there, and he, they, from what I read, you know, it's like he was talking or whatever, and he didn't even realize he was he was saying anything for a bit. But uh, man, all the best out there. Hopefully, he's he's okay. Um, another question I'd like to he ask is. you: um, What how did Matt Hardy look? What's up? How did Matt Hardy look? He looked good. He he actually looked like he was in he was he was in good ring shape. You know, the, the match was actually yeah. Like I say, it, it, he and the Lethal had a really good match. It was, uh, you know, so hopefully, hopefully Matt's on the, uh, you know, on the right track here, and he's going to be getting back into, uh, you know, he's back. He's definitely back in the ring shape. He had, you know, the match was really good. You know, I mean, like I say, say what you will about you know the Hardys, you know Jeff too, but well, you know when, when they want to, they can really have a damn good match. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm impressed right now with what Jeff's doing uh, over there in TNA. I mean, I think he's, he's looked great. Um, you know, obviously Matt had his problems as of late, so it's a uh, uh, good that, to see. Yeah, that, that was last a year ago at this time when he had that 
um, that disaster was staged at yeah, the last picture right. road. Yeah, wow, and yeah. I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, my God, what a ripoff. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I yeah, remember so, watching that live. Yeah, I did, too. So. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Any other matches uh, of the night that stand up for you? Uh, I said, there was a there was an awesome uh, six way like you know like cruiserweight match or whatever you know they did it like a lucha style. It was uh, um, you know I don't know who a lot of guys were but it was amazing red Ar Fox from the this guy named Ar Fox from Dragon Gate and some other guys I'm not really too familiar with. There was a guy in, a, in like a a black Sinkara type mask who did some pretty impressive stuff. And, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was really good. It was also and um, so yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, that was. That was probably the best match of the show. That and uh, there was like a four-way tag match. I don't know who any of the guys were, but it was, it was like a modern-day men on a mission type of uh, tag team who who went going over there. And the fans were chanting, "We want Mabel." It was uh, <laughs> that was that, that was funny too. You know, there was you know, like I say, I, I you know couldn't really you know I couldn't really hear what was going. You know, who, you know I didn't hear the names or anything because the mic the mic worker and then and the and the uh, and the arena was wasn't the greatest. It was all like it was all noisy. I couldn't really hear whose names they were. But uh, they did a, they did a good job at the show. I thought overall it was uh, you know it was a lot of fun. You know it was definitely worth the. Uh, I thought it was worth you know it was worth the two hour ride. Very cool, very cool. All right, Tony. Thanks a lot for the call. For hearing uh, from you for your, your blogs. Uh, you know, uh, Tony's our blog guy, recapping all the shows. Uh, during the week in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks a lot, Tony. Uh, no problem, and I'll be back tomorrow. The block. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. He's a good guy, Tony. Yeah. Giving us the indie Quality report. People. What was that? Quality people right there. I like Tony. Good dude. Yeah, he's a good dude. And he like, man, he, you know, he's a blessing for us on the show because he, uh, he is thorough. With his recaps, yeah. I mean, if you know, you're listening to this, and you know, again, call in three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We'll talk. We'll talk indies if you want to talk indies. Um, but yeah, man, if you miss a show, if your DVR crashes out, uh, you forget to set it, uh, something happens where you miss a show. Go on over to thekenreedyshow.com, click on blog, and we post Tony's blogs where he recaps the shows. And you read through Tony's blogs, and you didn't miss a thing. He recaps every match, um, gives his own insight uh, into everything, and you really get a sense of what went on on the show when you read through his blogs. He's a uh, you know a lot of blogs out there, but you know we got a good guy with Tony, and he's he's really thorough. Um, spends a lot of time obviously working on those blogs. So go over to the website, uh, check it out, and that's the Show dot com. I enjoy going to any shows. How about you, Dave? I do too. Um, actually, um, I don't really go to too many anymore. But um, I, I've done some indie work, uh, setting up the ring for uh, some of our listeners. Remember Jason Knight? He was the bodyguard for Lance Storm and Just Incredible in the original ECW, and he had a promotion in Connecticut called Assault Championship Wrestling, and uh, it was like a dream come true for me being a part of it. And um, it, just setting up the ring, and I got to bullshit with some of the guys. Like, he used to bring in, uh, like, Balls Mahoney and uh, uh, Axel Rotten from time to time, a lot of old ECW veterans. I had met Nunzio years ago um, when he worked a show. 
I met Matt Stryker. Matt Stryker did a shot for them years ago. Matt Stryker on the Indies in like early 2000s was uh, was a pretty big name before he got signed with WWE. A lot of you know people on the internet were like, "Oh, Stryker's got to get a contract. His in-ring work is you know impeccable." And, um, so yeah, and, and uh, that's how I had met um, Velvet Sky. Uh, Velvet Sky being a Connecticut native, and uh, we struck up a friendship and. Uh, you know, we'd hang out outside of the wrestling shows, and uh, I'd go to other indie shows with her and hang out. And, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I, I've been wanting to go to one. Just my work schedule isn't the greatest. And uh, so, uh, but, yeah, I, I do miss the indie shows because you, you, you get to see certain guys that obviously you don't see on TV, whether they used to be on TV or they've never even made it to TV before. And then when they... If they ever do get called up to the big show, WWE or you know TNA, you say to yourself, "Man, you know, like I used to, I used to watch that guy once a month at the at the VFW and you know God knows where, tearing the house down, and now he's on TV. Like that's pretty cool. So um, yeah, I definitely want to hit up an indie show uh, one of these days, hopefully soon. But, yeah, yeah, one of the things I like about going to the in, the indie shows I like is uh, there's a hunger. I see coming out of the wrestlers that um, you know I think is is missing to to a certain extent. You know, I, I mean, like it happens. It's it's modern day sports. You know, uh, athletes. You know, once you know you see it in baseball, football, basketball. Once they sign the contract, you know, they they lose their heart. Um, and I'm not saying you know wrestlers are losing their heart or whatever, but there is a hunger that you see when you go to an indie show. That, um, I guess by definition, you, you're not going to see when you go to watch uh, one of the, the big shows. Um, you yeah. know, these guys are really trying to make it. And these guys are, you know, are putting themselves through hell for, you know, literally a couple bucks. And, um, you know, they go out there and they do it. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's rare that you go and see a, a bad indie show. Generally, if you go see one of these smaller promotions, you're going to get a, a series of good matches um, you know, and I, you know, I used to love going to uh, the IWF uh, tonight, uh, the promotion he run, and uh, you know, if just putting it out to the independence, uh, April twenty eighth, uh, the IWF is doing a benefit uh, relay for life. So uh, check them out. They're in New Jersey. I'm brain farting now. Exactly where in Jersey? But look, just go IWF. Go to the website. All the details are, are right there. Um, April 28th, you know, Kevin Nate was one of those guys that, uh, you know, it's funny because it's, it's great meeting the wrestlers and it's great meeting some guys you're, you're a fan of, you know, it was so cool, like getting to interview Tommy Dreamer, um, and some of the guys I've interviewed over the years. Um, but it's also cool. Like, you know, Kevin Knight is one of those guys that when you sit and talk wrestling with that guy, I mean, he's like the, you know, wrestling Obi-Wan, um, and, and, <laughs> You spend like some time. I mean, I went to them. It sucked that they they closed the school because I wanted to. I was going to go and go uh, the managerial track. I think uh, age wise, the, those years passed. Now I don't think uh, I'm I'm really ready to to start in competition. But I think I could do the managerial thing. Um, so I was going to go to a school for that, and uh, I went there for like an orientation and. Uh, I got there early because, you know, I just I want to be the first one there. And, and, you know, I went in and 
talking to Kevin, and we bullshitted about wrestling for about 45 minutes, and I I, I look at, like, just about everything differently now. Um, a, a good eye for it. Um, it. It's interesting that if a match shits the bed or if a storyline is, is lagging uh, or dragging a bit, you know, Kevin Knight will you know, talk about it and then say, well, if you just do A, B, and C, and you're like, yeah, didn't think of A and C, but you're right. That's what they really should be doing. Uh, an incredible break for uh, the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, he, uh, his guy, Flex Freeman, has uh, gotten a tryout with the WWE. He's over there in uh, CW right now. Um, so hopefully, you know, he, he gets going. And, uh, you know, Robbie E. from TNA was another uh, IWF graduate. So, uh, you know, Kevin Knight knows how to train them. So uh, they always put on a good show. When you went to see an IWF show, uh, you were in for a really good show. And, um, you know, April 28th, they're doing a benefit uh, for the American Cancer Society. So go to the IWF website, check that out. Money going to a good cause. Uh, and you're going to get a really Really, really good show. Some fine wrestling. Uh, the one thing I'm always intrigued with with uh, going to the independent shows is, you know, they don't have the benefit of TV, and they don't have the benefit of facilitating those storylines and establishing faces and heels uh, on TV. So I really enjoy how the wrestlers come out and their immediate interaction with the crowd to put themselves over as a face or heel. I find that fascinating how they just, the minute they, they come through the curtain, they kind of have to try to establish their character. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, um, it's a more intimate setting. It's almost like going to a, uh, to, to, you know, a house show, like, you know, a TNA or a WWE house show. The guys are, uh, they have more time to, you know, to, to apply their craft in the ring, and, uh, you know, at house shows, you know, you've heard stories at house shows of, you know, guys, you know, testing out certain characters or certain little nuances, you know, within their character at house shows to see if it would, you know, relate well to an audience so that they could bring it to television, and with the indie shows, you get to see guys, um, you know, have more time in the ring and apply their craft, number one, and number two, it's almost a very interactive, um, more so than what you see on television with the audience. Um, so, I, yeah, indie shows. It's indie shows are the new territories in professional wrestling, where guy, you know, you, but you're not guaranteed a, a slot somewhere. Where as opposed to when you worked in the territories years ago in wrestling, you bounced around from territory to territory, but you always got work. And um, you know, there was one day where you would make it to a big promotion like, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions in the NWA or, or you know, up north with, you know, Vince McMahon and the WWF. So, um, indie promotions are, are the new uh, are the new territories in a, in a, in a small sense. And uh, it, it, it helps as much work, getting as much work as possible um, and putting your face out there. So that, you know, the, the more work you get, the more, you know, the better you are, the more of a chance you're going to be seen by somebody so that you might get a phone call for a trial. I agree with you. I mean, it's definitely the, the, the new territory. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, someone posted this online, and, and I'd love to hear, you know, callers call in and give me your, your take on this, but someone posted a question. 
in reference to territories and in reference to wrestling in general, the question was, was, is, whatever, Vince McMahon good for professional wrestling? And it was interesting because my first take on that is absolutely. Um, But I found myself kind of wondering, like, what if it never went national, like one company, and we had a bunch of companies in different territories, all those companies kind of got bigger with the times, and, you know, what would the landscape of professional wrestling be like? And there'd be a a WrestleMania every year, but there'd also be a Starcade every year, and there'd be these events going on around the country, and and I found it interesting, and I'm not going to say that I'm going to turn around and say, no, Vince McMahon was bad for wrestling. Um, I'm not going to go and say that. But I did think when we talk about, you know, how fun it is to go to an indie show and we talk about that, you know, it is kind of the new territories, quote-unquote, system, um, it's kind of an, an interesting debate. You know, you can see where someone would say, you know, Vince McMahon actually was, was bad for professional wrestling, and if uh, the territories just evolved from where they were, that it would be a much more interesting world of professional wrestling instead of there being one dominant company. Uh, it's an interesting take, I, and I didn't. I, it was funny because I didn't answer the question because I didn't want that. I was like, I gotta think about, you know, what I want to say, and and honestly, I couldn't definitively say. All right, he's definitely a hundred percent good for wrestling. I mean, now obviously he's made some mistakes along the way, but um, what what do you think? Like your your take on that as far as you know that question was was Vince McMahon and what he did to this the world of professional wrestling. Um, is it, was it a good thing? Well, um, I think so. I mean, that's how, I mean, I was introduced to wrestling when it, when it was just on the, when it just started to grow, go mainstream, um, during the rock and wrestling era when Hulk Hogan was at the forefront of that. Um, and, you know, obviously Hogan being, you know, the, uh, the, the vehicle and Vince being the driving force behind it has um, basically made wrestling bigger than, you know, what it, what it is, you know, what it was back then. Um, with the, ter- the people that say that, the, in my opinion, the people that say that, the ter- that Vince McMahon destroyed wrestling and wiping off the territories are the guys that didn't get a piece of that action when wrestling went mainstream. Um, but it's funny because I was watching the, uh, the the Ric Flair shoot interview by uh, uh, High Spots video, and Ric Flair said that um, not everybody made a lot of money in the territories. You had to be a, a big name, or you had to have a character or a gimmick of some sort, and obviously your in-ring work had to stand out at that time as well, in order for you to really draw money. And if you notice some of the territories, um, you know, Flair was – Flair was big, you know, in the NWA. He was big all over. He worked everywhere. Um, he worked every territory that the NWA had. And the Hart family in, in Calgary, they were big. In Texas, you had the Von Erics and the Freebirds. Um, and certain guys, certain mid-card guys came out of those territories and, and shined and eventually made a name for himself. But really, those territories almost were destined for main event level talent. Is what was really going to is what really uh, you know uh, made those guys 
money. Main event level talent is what really made the territories money. Because back in the day, on the marquee, it wasn't come see uh, Jim Crockett Promotions NWA Wrestling at the Greensboro Coliseum. It was come see Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes inside of a steel cage for the NWA World Heavyweight Title. Nowadays in wrestling, on the marquee, it says, World Wrestling Entertainment, coming to Madison Square Garden, March 18th, 2012. Um, right. So, it's, it's, it, it, I think it did help. And, I mean, you know, if Vince McMahon didn't, you know, and he didn't do anything wrong, per se. He picked talent out from territories to make his product better because he saw a bigger vision for it. If you weren't along for that ride, then, you know, too bad. But if he didn't pick out talent from those territories and make it a big na- uh, national commodity, and even a worldwide commodity these days, we wouldn't be having this conversation, in my personal opinion. So yeah, I mean, it's, I think, it's funny because I, I almost feel like that. I, I think that Vince McMahon, he did, and, and as we're discussing, I, I think, you know, having the forethought, uh, it's the biggest thing when you when you read up on a lot of these territories and and how uh, the business was evolving. Um, a lot of these guys who, who were running these territories were not businessmen. They were they were former wrestlers who thought they knew how to run a business. And if Vince McMahon didn't go, like let's project down. Let's say Vince McMahon said, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to infringe on the other territories." You almost get the sense that eventually. The other territories would have went out of business. There would have been a lot of unemployed wrestlers running around, and then Vince McMahon would have snatched up those guys, and then he probably thought, hey, I can go national now because these other territories are out of business. So maybe McMahon, like, you know, basically did it a little bit sooner, but you almost get the sense with with the business sense that he had that it was inevitable that at some point, you know, the WWE was going to be the company that was going to go national and eventually international. Um, it, it really is an interesting topic, you know, if the other territories were run financially more soundly, um, you know, if the territory system would have survived this long. And, again, I do think – I could see where – if I was running a territory and Vince McMahon put me out of business, yeah, I'd be bitter, and I wouldn't like him. As a fan, I, I tend to agree with you that we probably wouldn't be sitting here uh, talking about professional wrestling on an internet radio show. I probably would not have interned at a serious XM wrestling show. Um, you know, and, you know who knows where the whole business would have went if uh, you know we may have seen WrestleMania every year at the Garden, and it wouldn't have been. You know, uh, traveling the world and in, in, in different locales, and and to be honest, right now I that's how I plan my vacation every year. I don't know where, what city I want to visit, so we wait until you know the city for next year's WrestleMania is announced, and then we decide that's where we're planning our vacation. So I'm so excited to be planning next year's vacation to go to to beautiful New Jersey. Vacationing in New Jersey, the beautiful hey, you know, we state. You no, know, we got to do next year for WrestleMania in in the in the tri-state area. We got to hit up the Bada Bing, man. That's where we got to go. We got to go to the Bada Bing. 
That sounds good. You know, I'm sure we'll, probably, we'll run into the Godfather there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, on, on the topic of uh, territories, just let me just uh, touch on this real quick. Uh, a lot of people have watched interviews on DVDs and stuff of guys saying, you know, that promoters would never dare cross over into somebody else's territory. Somebody was going to do it eventually because somebody, you know, they all had the thoughts in mind of, well, what if we, you know, snatched a pound from another territory and kind of invaded that territory and then took over and we grew? Every businessman, whether it's a you know, wrestling business or whatever, they're all about opportunities to grow because the end result is you make more money. The more money you have, the happier you are. So every single promoter that had said that they would never dare cross into somebody else's territory and snatch up talent and then, you know, say that they were, they were fine staying where they were is full of shit, in my opinion. Vince McMahon took that leap, and it worked. Every other promoter, in my personal opinion, thought of it at some point. You know, you've heard stories of Fritz von Eric saying he was cool just being in Texas and, and world-class there. I think he's full of shit. Granted, he made a lot of money back then, but imagine if, you know, the man was still alive and, and his kids didn't, you know, have to, all of his kids, with the exception of Kevin, I believe, didn't kill themselves. You know, the amount of money that they would have now if they would have been, to have been the one to make that leap. If you watch that world-class DVD, people were pirating that show from Egypt all around the Middle East. So, I mean, they kind of had that vision that the, the seeds were planted for that global expansion before Vince ever went that route. It's just that for whatever reason they didn't jump on the they didn't jump the gun quick enough and Vince basically had you know he, I wouldn't say he had the vision but he had the idea and the thought to to, to go about it quicker than other promoters have. So I, I, I'll I tell you I don't think it, it was necessarily uh, the vision because um, I agree with you I think more you know there are a lot of guys probably in the business that had the vision um, I think. What Vince McMahon probably had over everybody was a big goddamn set of balls. And that's what it was. That he was a guy yeah. that was willing to say, screw everybody, screw what the business has told me I'm supposed to do. I am going to risk everything and and I'm gonna go national with this because I have just a big set of cojones and uh, that's probably what Vince McMahon had over everybody else. He had the balls to do it. You know, everyone has. I mean, yeah. we all, you know, look, everyone has their ideas. Everyone, you know, thinks I know better. I could do this better. I, but how many people have the balls to do it? I mean, seriously, how many people say, you know what, I, I want to do this. I'm going to go and do it. Um, yeah. You know, you can have all the vision in the world. You don't have the balls to just say, hey, I'm going to do it. You know, your vision just kind of, I don't know, it'll just lay there. It'll just sit there and you can lay in your bed and, and dream about your vision. Um, but if you don't have the balls to kind of follow through with it, um, that's all it is, 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 a, is a vision. And yeah. speaking of balls, you like that segue? <laughs> that was a good segue. <laughs> you like that, huh? Amongst yeah, other topics, a, balls does come up. Um, at this point in time, can you, can you believe this? We've gone first hour. We have not touched on Roxena. Unbelievable. Now, we're gonna, it's about 7 o'clock right now. Stuff. We are going to play for you.
the Tommy Dreamer interview from Friday evening at the ECPW show. On the other side of the interview, we'll start to hit on Rock versus Cena and what the two of them did the past Monday night. If you'd like to get your calls in, we'll get them at, after the interview. 347-838-9815. Get calls in. But now, the innovator of violence, the ECW legend, Tommy Dreamer. And at the Ken Reedy Show, we are at an ECPW live event, and we are privileged to have the one and only innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, is on the show. Tommy, how are you doing today? I am a little tired. I just got back from Winnipeg, but looking forward to uh, working here tonight. What are you doing up in Winnipeg? I wrestled uh, last night in Winnipeg, and uh, I'm wrestling first match here tonight, and then I'm headed to Edison and working in their main event, and I actually just got a call. They want me to go work in Rahway at the same time uh tonight, so I actually may have three shows tonight. I have two tomorrow, and then I'm in Toronto on Sunday. Uh, I'm the hardest working semi-retired person out there. I left uh, WWE to uh, be home with my family a little bit more, and I'm out there working, I think, just as much, but I'm enjoying it still. Which is interesting. Um, just give us a little bit about, uh, you know, what do you think now as far as your, you know, everyone knows that the WWE schedule is it's pretty crazy. I mean, are you getting more time with your family now, even though you're, you're well, Still very busy. In WWE, you're usually wrestling Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's not including when you go overseas. So you really were, you would come home Wednesday, and then uh, you're right back out Friday. Now I'm I'm usually a weekend warrior, but lately I've been picking up uh, some Sunday shows, some Thursday shows, and I was just in Mexico, and they were running on a Monday and a Tuesday. So, you know, some days I'll do two, some days I'll do this. This weekend, I'm looking at seven shows in four days. Wow. And so I hope I don't lose, it? always. And I hope oh. I don't lose seven times in four. That could be the new record. My record once, I wrestled uh, three times in one show, and I lost all three times. But uh, we'll really? see how we do. Yes. In the Bahamas. Wow. Well, I don't know if you realize this, but the founding <laughs> ECW was founded in 1992, so we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the at least the founding of, right. of ECW. Um, just curious what, what your thoughts are. I, I mean, over the years, ECW, a big influence on the landscape of wrestling and kind of had a reincarnation in the WWE as well as with EV 2.0 uh, in TNA. But what are your thoughts on the original ECW versus the two subsequent reincarnations? Well, I mean, the, the incarnation in TNA was really just a, a one-night thing, uh, pay-per-view, um, and then, you know, storyline afterwards was, you know, not really, it was ECW, it was just, you know, it's, it's kind of like it was a, more of a friendship and they just gave it a name, I don't know why. Um, the incarnation in WWE was really uh, a different version of it and, you know, part of the reason why I left WWE as well, but, you know what, everything happens for a reason. I um, also was happy a lot of the guys got a chance to, you know, work in WWE and, you know, under the ECW banner for whatever, how many time period they were at. And, you know, we also got to WrestleMania, so it was a, it was a good thing. Um, the fans still remember it. Uh, they still love it. They still call for it every time. Uh, it, it will always be held in this mythical uh, urban legend mystique, and it's great because it's uh, what made me, and I love it. Well, will anything ever come close to what ECW was able to do? Absolutely not because of all the people in power. And I don't think their egos would allow it. Interesting. Um, so as, as you, as a, like I said, ECW, uh, all, uh, 20th anniversary, um, 
you know, just curious, like, how long do you think you, you'll be continuing in the ring, uh, actively co- competing? Oof. Um, I've been wrestling since I'm 18. I just turned 41 in February. Uh, I hope as long as uh, my body holds out. I mean, I've still, I've yet to have a surgery, so I think that's pretty cool, and oh, I've broken welcome. everything. Wow. Unless I get hurt tonight. But I did break my neck and my back, so I've pretty much broken everything without a surgery. So I'm held together, I think, with like peanut butter and uh, chocolate. <laughs> and uh, I always say muscles tear and break, but fat absorbs. So that's why I've always kept this low level of physical fitness. Mick Foley uh, probably agree. Yeah. Well, he's had some surgeries. He's a quitter. I never have. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett have never had surgery either. We're all in an inclusive... That's impressive. Yeah, we're an exclusive club. And I got I'll knock on wood again for, for all. Of them. <laughs> um, what, what is the worst injury? Is it the broken neck that was the, the worst for you? Or what was the most painful that you, you've suffered? Well, the broken neck was uh, bad because then I broke my back because my body healed wrong. I kept wrestling. I didn't know I broke my neck and uh, my body was my you know your body heals wrong and I blew out three discs in my back and I feel that you know every morning. Um, I would say the most painful one was when Jerry Lawler caned me in the. Uh, testicles and uh, I almost ruptured my testicle Did and, seriously uh, yeah wow on television if you look it up on YouTube you'll see it and you'll hear the most unmanliest yell uh, <laughs> from a guy getting hit in between the legs and it really uh, it knocked me out and Jim Cornette hit me on the back with a tennis racket actually woke me up wow uh, okay well that, that so broken neck but that was the most painful injury yes and the most disgusting looking because like after they had to you know drain your testicles of because they were okay. going to rupture yeah. And uh, then, like, you know, a severe shot and bruising to them. Ugh. The blood then seeps downwards. I looked like I had the wor- worst different venereal disease <laughs> of all time. It was very unattractive to all the ladies. All right. I just got to ask you, switch gears, like, a, a second, and, and we'll let you go. I know you, thank you for giving us uh, a little, a few minutes here. Um, WrestleMania season is upon us. Uh, just curious, uh, uh, for a veteran who's, you know, been around, seen different eras, uh, just your thoughts on how the Cena Rock thing has evolved over this year, um, has it been effective, was it too much going a year in advance, uh, just give us your take on, on what your thoughts on the, the build-up for this year's WrestleMania. Uh, I think this year's, I was at WrestleMania 1, throw that tidbit in, and uh, I love this year's WrestleMania because you have the Cena Rock intrigue. And I think there is some behind-the-scenes uh, rivalry coming out uh, on screen. And you also have the Triple H versus the streak of The Undertaker, what will happen there. Um, I do think, I mean, WrestleMania is going to be a huge success. And, and I do think it's good for the business because it has a lot of people talking. Uh, I, I personally am I'm a fan uh, of both men, personally and professionally. And I just look forward to what's going to happen at WrestleMania, you know, you know Behind the scenes, what's going to happen? Who's going to win? <laughs> you know, so you're a fan. You're, you're a fan. I love uh, Rocky. Cool. I used to travel with him. I used to travel with John Cena too. And you know, it's I I love. Sadly, I still love wrestling. I watch. I TiVo everything. I, I TiVo Raw, SmackDown, TNA. You name it, I watch nice. it. And uh, I watch two. Actually, every day I usually watch two uh, matches on YouTube uh, of just any obscure wrestling I could find. You know, I like. If, somebody pops into my head like last night I was with Ted DiBiase so today oh, cool. I watched two Ted DiBiase nice. matches on YouTube 
and just that's just how my brain thinks. I love it. I'm still a fan, and I hope I always will be. And we all are. That, that's awesome. Anything, uh, you know, before I let you go, anything you'd like to promote, anything you're doing right now? You'd eh, like to put you can check there? me out on my website, uh, thetommydreamer.com, and it has all my merchandise, stuff, everything, up where I'm at, and I look forward to seeing everybody. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Tommy. No Take care. And there you have it. One and only Tommy Dreamer on the Ken Reedy Show. Woohoo! Oh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, um, as as I was sitting there, you know, he is kind of an imposing figure. Again, I was told immediately that he doesn't do these. Um, so, again, thank you to Tommy. Uh, thank you to ECPW. And thanks, Nunzio, for nudging him in the direction of uh, doing this show. Um but some interesting things, uh, when, when I asked about uh, will there ever be uh, another ECW, um, his whole expression changed. And you probably could hear, like, I kind of flubbed a little bit, like, trying to get into the next question, because uh, he, he almost looked, I don't say pissed, but he kind of was like, no, it'll never happen again. And, uh, I don't know, inferring that there's a, a little bit of a distaste as far as, you know, the business. Um, although, later on, he said he is still a fan, and... Uh, Records everything and is looking forward to The Rock versus Cena. So, which brings us into The Rock versus Cena. Um, what do you think about what happened on Monday night, Dave? A uh, combination of things. Um, I don't think. I mean, they had to go a different approach than just the two of them. You know, than, than just the you know the the company hyping up a face to face conversation with the two of them at the end of the night. So, I liked. John Cena's approach, you know, being in the empty arena and talking about the importance of the match, because at the end of the day, that's where the storyline is, the match itself. The storyline began last year in Atlanta on Monday Night Raw where the two of them made the match. All the other fodder in between and all the other bullshit they would get to, but it was a, it's about the match is, is what really this is all about, in my personal opinion. And I liked how he talked about the importance of that match and having to win and how important it was for him to, you know, to to, to prove that, you know, he's up there with with the other greats in wrestling. I liked that approach that John Cena had. A lot of people online I read didn't really care for why was he talking to himself in an empty arena and like you know, that's just that's just the you know the the the, the fans, you know, nitpicking at little things. But I liked it because he brought he, he he basically brought the basics to the promo and it was all about you know, he's gotta win. He's got to beat the rock in his mind. That's the number one driving force in his mind. He's got to beat the rock. All the other stuff on the side with the jokes and the and the verbal, uh, you know, jabs at the Rock. That, you know, that's that, that that didn't matter to him at that point. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of took it. I kind of took the ahead, empty arena. Um, I, I liked it in a sense. I, I mean, I, I thought it went on a little long. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I agree. agree. It did go on a little too long. I, I I agree with I like where he's going now. Like I have to win this match, because um, I to me I, as a, as a fan, uh, in looking at this, I, I mean I personally feel that if Cena, you know, granted it's sports entertainment, so it's if he's scripted to lose, I, to me like John Cena's done. I mean as as a character, to me like the biggest challenge of his career. I mean how can you 
You know, I mean, they may try to, but how does a guy like that lose to The Rock, lose the biggest challenge of his career, and then the day after say, yeah, but he's still the face of the company. I mean, to me, that, that that's it. He's, he's a... Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, they, they, I don't know if he's done. I think I think saying done's going a little overboard. Maybe maybe it's a it's a maybe him losing would be somewhat of a character overhaul. Um, and well, not, yeah, but they know, have, then they'd have to do that. They they can't Cena can't get, come out of this the same Cena on the other side and yeah. be okay that he lost the biggest challenge of his career. Well, no, I don't think he would come out saying that he'd be okay with it. But I mean, I think he would see. I think he would see if he were to lose, I think he would see something different from John Cena. I'm not saying he'll turn because I know I'm going to get you know everybody's dick hard that's listening and let's talk about John Cena he'll turn. But I think he would see something different from him, and there we go a different approach, um, something that's needed for him. Whether it be he'll turn, whether they you know do some sort of uh, character overall, um, but. The, uh, as far as the rock stuff goes on Monday, I thought the tea party stuff was kind of funny. The little history lessons. I didn't really care. The first one I liked, where he, where, you know, he was simulating the Boston Tea Party. He threw John Cena's merch into the into the, uh, the the Boston Harbor. As it went on, you know, that I didn't really care for you know the the history lesson. I, I mean, it just didn't it didn't do anything for me to further along the storyline. When he came out at the end of the night in the ring and confronted John Cena, he took a page out of John Cena's book from the week before. He said his piece, and he left. And he had that intensity about him that made the match feel important and what it meant to him. And that's what he needed to get across, The Rock, is what the match meant to him and what he was going to do. And he had to bring that level of, of, of intensity and not joke around so much. We all love, know and love The Rock as being a big joker and, you know, all the insults and, he, you know, he's got the gift of gab. But there's a point in time, if you're going to take this match seriously, you know, from a storyline perspective, you're going to have to throw all the way, all that to the side. And he did that in that promo at the end with the face-to-face conversation with John Cena. I like that. Um, I just hope that they continue more building this match as how important it is for the both of them and the, and the reasons why they don't like each other or why they're having this match as opposed to, you know, them, you know, as opposed to the rock coming out and saying, he's going to stick a feather up John Cena's ass and call him a jabroni. I mean, all right, it was, it was funny. And it made sense because they were in Boston, but it's, it, I think it's a little too much with the rock with, with all the joking. Gotta be more serious on his side. It, it was cool that like, I mean, and Tommy dreamer hit on that, you know, he said that there's, you know, he believes that there is actual bad blood between the two of them. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't really get into it, but he said, you know, that, that adds to it. Um, you know, I did like the, you know, it's funny because they do like, you know, Cena's in an empty arena, rock panders to the crowd. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely doing like, you know, these two are like opposite ends of the spectrum. Um it's it with the raw. I'm just finding myself, to be honest. I'm I'm getting a little bit bored with him. Um, to me, the Rock is is you know he's a good promo, or I shouldn't say a good promo, great promo. Uh, will encompass what you're saying and how you're saying it. 
when you look back on on great promos, look back on you know when when Hulk Hogan turned, what he was saying was that he was tired of being the good guy and he was turning heel. How he said it was this tone of immense disdain towards the the crowd and uh, you know the the people and the fans and WCW in general. That makes for a great promo. A Dusty Rhodes, hard times. You know, he's coming back. What he's saying is he's coming for the, the title. He wants the title. You know, he's coming after Flair. How he said it. He said it, at, you know, to identify the working man, to identify with every, you know, person out there that spend their money to come in and see him wrestle. Um, it, it's a what and a how. Um, I personally am finding that The Rock is a whole hell of a lot of how, but he's not giving me the what. He's not facilitating any storyline. Uh, his tone is amazing. He's got tremendous charisma, um, but a lot of the shit he's saying is just, you know, blah, 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 John Cena, you're a bitch. All right, crowd, chant this. Trend worldwide, you know, if you smell what the rock is cooking. And that's what he's given us. Now, granted, a lot more charisma in the way he's delivering it, and his delivery is is amazing. But to me, he's almost like a politician. He's that politician that comes out and says, elect me, and I will lower taxes. Everyone goes apeshit, but he never tells us how he's going to lower taxes. Everyone wants to believe him, and everyone wants to cheer for him because he just said it, but he gives us no, like, real information on how exactly he's going to do that. Um, and that's kind of what I'm finding myself when I'm watching The Rock. I'm just kind of, yeah, all right, it's it's the it's The Rock. Yeah, I get it, you know. And and yeah, again, I do find myself laughing when he when he talks and he is entertaining. And when he was throwing the shit in the river, I, yeah, it was funny. But I just, um, I don't know. I, I just I, I want I, I still find myself wanting more from The Rock, and I and I want more out of it. Um, the confrontation, it, it's interesting, because on, on the Ken Reedy show on Facebook, and, and, you know, if you're within the sound of my voice, be sure to check out our Facebook page, and every Monday night, uh, there is a raw discussion that goes on um, on the page, and we've been going, like, every week, we're, like, keeping score, and, and going into this past Monday Night Raw, um, most people uh, that spoke on it or, or put stuff on my page, uh, we're saying it was 2 nothing. John Cena going into last week. Um, it's a tough call for me where I'd go this Monday night. Um, you know, I, I... Like, part of me leans toward Cena, but at the same time, when they confronted each other, uh, the gooey smile kind of bothered me a bit. I, I would have liked to have seen... Uh, a little more intensity on John Cena's face. Now, maybe he was trying to do the very dismissive, yeah, you're trying to be a tough guy and I'm laughing in your face. To me, it looked kind of awkward on TV. I would have liked to see seen a little more intensity um, when they were fronting each other. Uh, what do you think of the confrontation? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100% as far as the, the goofiness of that. Um, and what what bothered me was that an hour before, or an hour and a half before, they showed that promo that he cut in the empty arena earlier in the day, and there was the importance and the intensity, and you know, in his voice and in his face about the upcoming match with the 
comes out, and how do you go from thinking about how important it is to beat The Rock and what WrestleMania 28 and wrestling The Rock means to you to standing in front of the guy's face and laughing and completely dismissing everything that he's saying. It's almost like you're totally sitting on the fact that you're going to have a match with this guy, in my opinion. Other people I, I kind of agree. Man. After the fact. Call in at 347-838-9815 if you'd like to debate this with me. Please do. But, yeah, how do you go from one parallel to another in an entire night? I didn't really uh, I didn't really get that. I did like at the end, though, when he uh, when he wrote the rock stats down at 6'4", 275 on his arm, um, kind of taking a jab at the nose. I thought that was pretty clever. But he was a little too playful in that in that confrontation towards the end for my for my taste and my liking. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it just looked awkward. And I, and I don't know if, you know, you won creatively. Uh, there are reports out there that um, it's just the two of them putting their promos together. Um, you know, at times, I mean, it has given the impression that, um, you know, they're, they're flying, you know, by the seat of their pants. And, you know, like... I don't know what he's going to do, and I'm going to smile, but I'm kind of shitting my pants. Yeah. Um, and and that's that, that's kind of what bothered me. Like I, I do, I just wanted to see an intense. And even like afterwards, when he wrote The Rock stats on his arm, I thought that was funny. And I do find it interesting that if you watch SmackDown, and we all do, uh, when they've done the Raw rewind, uh, the past two weeks, they have not made reference to the wrist notes and it, it kind of now it could be a conscious decision to make us all wonder um, or is this something that again you know it, it was a complete shoot and Rock is kind of pissed about it and the WWE does not want to acknowledge that uh, one of their superstars one of their quote unquote greatest of all time needed to have notes on his wrist because both weeks they have um, a recap of, like, they kept everything else, and they kind of conveniently cut that out. Um, and I liked that, and I, I liked the intensity Cena showed afterwards when he said, you know, I have nothing else. You have Hollywood. Um, this is my life. You know, if I don't win this match, I have nothing. Um, I, I just wish that intensity was there, uh, you know, with the stare down. Like, when you look at great moments uh, in wrestling, when guys would... Uh, have that face-to-face, um, you know, look back and, you know, Roddy Piper and Mr. T at WrestleMania, uh, you know, the intensity on both those guys, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan and, uh, you know, Andre, you know, both guys, you know, trying to stare the other one down. Uh, and even, you know, The Rock, you know, Hogan and The Rock, when they had their infamous stare down, you know, just a look of intensity on both faces. I mean, that's kind of, you know, a staple an earmark in professional wrestling, that moment where, you know, it builds tension, where where you know, like, both guys want to punch the other one, but they're not going to. And and yeah. that's kind of how you build that tension between the two of them. And we all know there's a lot of tension between Cena and Rock, but I, I would have liked to seen more of a, a steely-eyed Cena kind of, you know, yeah, go ahead, but stare at me with your intensity, because I'm going to give it right the fuck back to you. You are not intimidating me at all, and I, I I thought the smile just came off as a little, a little awkward and a little I don't know, it just kind of made Cena look bad. So 
that being said, I, it's hard for me to say who exactly won uh, this week on, on Monday Night Raw. I will stand by that. I don't think it was 2 nothing going into Monday night. I'm inclined to Monday night was a tie. Um, we still keep Cena up, I guess we'd say, 3-1. Uh, to one. They still like two. Um, but I don't know if I'd say The Rock necessarily won. I, I just I, I still am kind of expecting more out of The Rock. And uh, I'd to hear what you think. Uh, call us 347-838-9815. That number again is 347-838-9815. Because now we have our night on Monday Night Raw. We get to look forward to the Rock concert uh, versus uh, John Cena bringing back the, the rap. Um, this is going to be, I don't know. <laughs> I want to say this might be cool, but I, I just have a bad feeling this whole thing is going to really shit the bed. Uh, your thoughts? Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, Cena's good in that element with the rap. I mean, if you remember last year, he did a little rap of his own. Uh, the first the one, I think he did two, but the first one he did um, towards the rock last year um, really uh, really spoke volumes with me because I thought, you know, I mean, granted, Cena's good with his raps, but I thought Rock would have tore him up on the mic, and Cena had some good comebacks in that, in that first rap he did for the rock. Um, Rock, and as far as like the Rock goes with his Rock, so I think, excuse me, I think Cena will do well in that element um, with the rapping and, you know, uh, some of the verbal jabs. I think it'll be good. Um, and and he won't look like, a, you know, a million bucks coming out of it, but it will. It, it, he won't lose anything from it. Um, the Rock and the Rock concert, um, he's had a couple of those a few years ago. I remember he did one, and uh, he did it in Sacramento. And he was just hilarious. Like, he was a heel at the time, and it was like the build-up towards him and Steve Austin for the third time at WrestleMania 19, and uh, he, he drew some good heat with it. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what it is because, you know, Rock's entertaining as hell. Let's, let's, let's not, you know, totally bash the Rock. He's one entertaining, uh, entertaining as hell that kind of guy. So I think that um, I think it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be great, but I think it's going to be good. And uh, I look forward to it tomorrow night. Both guys are going to hopefully be on their A game. But there's that question that we had spoke about earlier. What does this do to facilitate the storyline? I mean, are they going like the Twilight route? With, with with this, like Team Cena and Team Rock, you know, kind of like what they do with whoever those, you know, werewolf guys are in that movie, because I don't watch any of that shit, but um, the, yeah, is, that, is that where they're going with, like, like, presenting this concert, like, people to, like, vote, like, you know, Team Rock, Team Cena, is this, how, is this the direction that they're going in? Um, so, it, it takes away from the seriousness of the match, but it'll be entertaining. I... I, I I don't think it'll shit the bed, but I think it'll do all right. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like I, I, bring up a good point because I, I, I'm curious what this will do to facilitate the storyline. Um, it should be entertaining, and I agree with you. I think The Rock is incredibly entertaining. I just, you know, maybe it's someone that I, I do think you watch wrestling long enough, and you do end up being a bit of a grizzled, uh, you know more critical kind of uh, 
watcher uh, of it. I mean, you know, it was funny. At the ECPW event on Friday night, I ran into a, a friend of mine, and uh, we started talking. It was a good friend that back in the day, we used to watch the pay-per-views uh, at his parents' house in the basement. Uh, um, first off, like, his his parents would order the pay-per-views, and then um, he ended up getting a scrambler box. And so we'd watch the pay-per-views there, and in talking to him, we, you know, and I, where I was talking about my top 40 moments of the past 40 years, and we started talking. We're like, man, you know, we grew up in the era of professional wrestling, um, and sometimes I think that, that that's kind of scarred us a bit, you know, to grow up with the 80s and, and the explosion of Hulkamania and you know, watching promos from guys like Roddy Piper and Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and, and seeing matches with Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat and, and seeing all that stuff. And, you know, depending on your opinion of things, but, you know, to me, the wrestling industry takes a little bit of a dip, but then into the Attitude Era, I, I mean, it was a great, it's a great chunk of time. When I made that list of the top 40 moments, it was very difficult for me to, cut some things off and that's why I with some of the moments I just you know I'd make WrestleMania 3 a moment because if I started coming up with individual moments from certain events um it was going to be very difficult to you know cut it down um sometimes I just think that I you know we, we get overly critical I mean it is professional wrestling and you know ultimately we we need to be entertained um but I do honestly as entertaining as the rock is I do sit there Saying, all right, now, now give me something to facilitate the storyline. Give me something else. I, I want a little bit more out of The Rock, and maybe it's just you know, we watched The Rock, and and he was great in his day, and and you know, I just want more out of him. And and maybe that's wrong. Maybe he's the victim of his own success, and and you know, because he was so good years ago, like I'm wanting to see more. But I just I find myself. You know, sitting there, the Rock's music hit, hits, and, you know, obviously the, the arena goes nuts. Um, you know, and it's just like, all right, chant this, and the crowd chants. Like, okay, you know, can can you give me something else? And, you know, say, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm hoping for something a little bit more on Monday night. And, and as every week gets a little bit closer, um, I'm hoping for a little bit more. And what, honestly, I'd really like to see, because we've seen The Rock physically uh, go over on John Cena twice, I'd like to, at one point, see John Cena go over The Rock. Uh, even if it was something like uh, last week when they were nose-to-nose and Rock was in Cena's face, if Rock just grabbed him and gave him the AA. Um, something. But... Uh, you know, I'm kind of curious, like, where they're going to go uh, the next couple weeks. Are they just going to kind of, you know, exchange insults, exchange, you know, what the match means to them, and, and that's really going to be the extent of where we're going to go as far as storyline development. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that we're, uh, it's going to be entertaining. Um, it is interesting, though, and I think because the rock goes to uh, – you know, he, he says the ass, and he says bitch uh, repeatedly, that they, they kind of leave his live promos for the very end of the show. So if you haven't been paying attention and you watch professional wrestling and you watch Monday Night Raw, go right now to your TV set, 
go to your DVR settings and add like, you know, an extra 10 minutes. You should already have 10 minutes added. If you're a real wrestling fan, you know to go to at least 10 minutes after the hour. Go and add another 10. Yeah. It's yeah, funny yeah. that you mentioned it's Ken, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, talking about how, you know, us and, you know, people that, you know, uh longtime wrestling fans are critical of today's product. I, I I can admit I can be critical at times, but I also like to see the overall big picture. And uh, that was my whole point of my rant earlier today. So to to Pat Crowley and to Bob Scott, uh, you know, if you're listening, um, I'll probably get a lot of shit from you guys on the Facebook page, you know, later this week. But my whole point to you guys is just, you know, just enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, that's what the remote control's for, to change the channel. If you don't like it, don't watch it. But if you're a fan and you're, and I understand you're passionate about it, you know, I have that passion too. But sometimes I think the passion, you know, your anger takes over that passion and you 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 know, you you get too caught up in it, like, like, like you know, the, like they're performing just for you guys, and that's it. And there's no other fans out there that you two are the only people that they have to please. So, you know, that was my whole. You know, guys, I don't really know you too well, but you know, you're probably upstanding citizens, and you know, hopefully we can, you know, have a friendly conversation about wrestling someday. But, um, yeah, I think we're spoiled a bit. I really do. I mean, when you when you look back and, you know, maybe it's just one of those things and maybe at some point, you know, wrestling will, um, you know, take an upturn. But maybe we were spoiled. I mean, when you look back and you think that shit, man, you'd watch a, a, a pay-per-view and, you know, guys like Macho Man or, or Steamboat, you know, were mid-carters. I mean, when you think about the 80s in the WWE, WWF back then, think of some of the guys that were mid-carters. Think of guys like Roddy Piper and and, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, you know, legends that never, ever won the title. Never. I mean, that's insane that we we were watching wrestling back then, and these guys who are all-time greats, Never touched the the WWF title. You know, guys that that were amazing. You know, looking back on some of those guys. I mean, you try plan. You know, Mister Wonderful uh, from the eighties uh, into today. Like he put him at the top of the list as number one heel. Yeah, like I was. You know, I mean, he headlined the first WrestleMania, but for the bulk of his career. Um, you know, he had a good run with Hogan, but he was he was kind of a mid carter. Never won the title. You know, maybe maybe we were just spoiled. Maybe, you know, right now, because of things and Kevin Knight has talked about this, you know, things like uh MMA, uh that a lot of athletes that would have, you know, done amateur wrestling and then, you know, to try and make some money went into professional wrestling. Now those same guys are going into MMA. You know, is that what it is? You know, is it just that, like, the guys are not as talented? Uh, is it creative? Is it a combination of both? Um, and is it essentially, you know, not a bad product? It's just sometimes we get a little bit overly critical about things. Uh, you know, who knows? But at times when I look back on some of the events that we watched as kids, 
you know, it's amazing the the level of talent that was, you know, in the mid card. I mean, Tito Santana is like opening up WrestleMania. Tito Santana was amazing. You know, and he was at ECPW events. And he's been on the Ken Reedy show, which I'm sure is like the highest honor for him. But... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> being on the Ken Reedy show is better than his days in Strike Force or Rick Martel. <laughs> Strike Force. Arriba. Um, Arriba. But yeah, you know, maybe we were. I mean, maybe that's just it. And maybe, you know, at times uh, we need to just sit back and. Um, Enjoy, you know what's what's going on, which also brings me to going into uh, WrestleMania and and talking about wrestling and wrestling fans, and it's interesting. And we're both going to be in Miami, and you know what? We're going to be doing a show live from Miami, WrestleMania weekend. We're still trying to nail down the the definitive time, but we're looking Saturday that weekend. We'll be doing a live show from Miami. And you know what? We're trying to book some guests. So tune in for details on our WrestleMania show. But we'll be live from Miami getting the, the vibe of, of what uh, WrestleMania is doing for uh, Miami. But, you know, if you are a wrestling fan, and I can't stress this enough, because a lot of guys who, who don't go, who've never been to a WrestleMania weekend, uh, will sit back after, you know, a subpar WrestleMania and and say, you know, oh, I'll never pay for a ticket to that shit, and I'll never, you know, I'm glad I got a scrambler box and didn't spend any money on that and blah, 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 and I get that. But, man, I cannot recommend more highly than as a wrestling fan, go to a WrestleMania weekend. Just go. The event, and, and you know, Dave, I'd like to hear if you agree with me, but WrestleMania in and of itself, the event that takes place Sunday night is so secondary to the weekend as a whole. Uh, the Hall of Fame is always a fun night. Access is, is great. And just the vibe of being in an atmosphere where wrestling fans kind of take over a city and, and you go to the bar and everyone's talking wrestling and, uh, you know, last year we were fortunate enough to run into a ton of guys uh, from the WWE at, at the bar. Also ran into Ric Flair, which is an honor in and of itself. Um, you know, it's just an amazing weekend as a fan to just be there around all of it that I cannot recommend more highly than to, if you're a fan, man, just suck it up. Again, the event could suck. It really can. And you know what? You will still come out of that weekend thinking, wow, that was a kick-ass good time. Yeah, I, I, I do wholeheartedly agree with you. I, you know, you're right. WrestleMania is secondary. To me, it's almost like how I felt at Christmas. You know, at the end of Christmas night, like I hope my presents up with my family, you know, we're watching whatever on TV. And then you wake up the next day and it's like, damn, Christmas is over. Like, that's how I feel like about midway through watching, you know, being at a WrestleMania because the weekend is basically, you know, almost, you know, it's almost coming to an end. Um, I remember my first WrestleMania that I attended was uh, 23 in Detroit. Um, a guy I used to work for, his kids were big wrestling fans, and we were just uh, bullshitting one day in his living room, and he said, what if we went to WrestleMania? Where is it this year? And I said, it's going to be in Detroit. So he looked up online, and he went with his credit card, and he bought nine tickets. 
for me, my two brothers, uh, a couple of his kids, himself, and a, and a buddy of ours, just on a whim. And I still couldn't believe that he did that, and it was awesome. Granted, we paid him back, but, you know, it was awesome that he did that. And that year, they didn't, you know, they had the Hall of Fame and WrestleMania. They didn't have a whole lot of stuff going on. They didn't have access, and um, so there, there wasn't really a whole lot going on. But the city was booming, uh, being in Detroit. Um, so, you know, once you get past being at your first WrestleMania, itself, the show itself, then you, you, you're hooked, you want to go. I mean, the weekend I had was tremendous. It was fun. Um, you know, I bumped into a few wrestlers myself and gotten that experience. It was like, you know, the, the cherry on top of the Sunday. And then I went the following year in Orlando, and it was even better. Um, the whole weekend itself is just phenomenal to go to. Um, so, yeah, as a wrestling fan, whether you whether you religiously watch WWE or not, um, WrestleMania weekend is by far, you know, a, a, a great time. And it's the only time of year where, like you said, wrestling fans take over a city and, you're, you know, you're in a bar, you're talking about wrestling, or you're in a, a social setting. But it's really the only place where you can go and you don't have to defend wrestling. You know, if you go, you know, outside of WrestleMania weekend, if you're sitting at a bar and the topic of wrestling comes up and it's somebody who doesn't watch it or doesn't like it, you're, you're, you're almost, you know, you're forced to defend it, defend why you like it and why it's, a, you know, a, a big part of your life. Um, WrestleMania weekend, you don't have to do that. Um, you, you're talking with other people, you're, 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 you're having your difference of opinions of who's better and what you'd like to see in this match and, you know, your past experiences watching, you know, classic WrestleMania matches or just classic wrestling matches in general. Uh, so it's great. It, overall, it's just a great weekend. Um, I am looking forward actually more to I – mean, I'm, look, I'm definitely looking forward to the weekend. You know, the fun we had last year was phenomenal. But I'm actually looking forward to, to WrestleMania itself, um, just uh, the overall atmosphere of being in the stadium – you know, with Hell in a Cell and an outdoor open stadium, and then of course Rock and Cena. You know, that's it's they've been really making uh, you know good strides and making this card feel important um, so far. And they got a few more weeks to add some more matches and stuff to do that, um, and the direction that they're going in. But uh, I, I I just can't wait. The days are counting. I got my tickets. You know, last week the travel package came in, and I was looking at over everything, and I was. I was, like, trying to, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, might not believe me, but I was, like, you know, touching the tickets and making sure it was real, but I wasn't trying to touch them too hard so it didn't rip, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, I mean, it, 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 it's going to be an awesome weekend, you know. I, I can't wait, you know. I, I'm looking forward to the show, too. As a matter of fact, some of our listeners, Ken, said that we were uh, going to hammer, try and hammer down some guests. I'm in the middle of negotiations with, with a, uh, a friend of mine who – was a former WWE superstar, and um, he's going to be in town for WrestleMania weekend, and I'm just in, about in the final negotiations of hammering down a time of uh, when we can uh, do the show so it can fit his schedule, and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully it works out. I'm not making any promises, and I don't want to jump the gun here, but I got a, uh, I, I got a solid hunch that... Um, we're going to have a guest on that uh, hopefully you, the listeners, and uh, the, the people of the, uh, the, the, the the fans, the universe of the Ken Reedy show will be uh, <laughs> Our universe. Uh, appreciative of. Yeah, <laughs> the, Reedy, the Reedy universe. Yeah, it should be cool. I mean, I just, I you know, I, I can't wait. And it, 
You're right. I mean, I, I remember. I mean, I went to WrestleMania ten, and then my second WrestleMania was WrestleMania twenty five. Um, so it was amazing just how much it changed and how much bigger uh, it became. And, and I just remember getting a, and we road tripped it, me and my girlfriend. And um, you know, my got my girlfriend is, is a recent fan. Uh, you know, she's really started watching since like two thousand and five ish. Um, and you know, her first uh, when I when she realized I was a wrestling fan, she's like, "You watch this shit?" And I said to her, "Well, just give a chance." Just try to watch it without judging, and I'll explain what you don't understand. And you know, if you don't, if you don't like it afterwards, I'll ask you to watch it again. And she was hooked as soon as she watched it, and she was the one that really pushing, like, "Let's go to 25." And I remember we we pulled into the hotel, and I was like, "All right, let me just get out, and I'll go check us in." And when I walked into the lobby, and the lobby was filled with people wearing championship belts, and people were wooing. Uh, Ric Flair style, and and there was just wrestling T-shirts everywhere, and people were at the hotel bar baiting wrestling, and I ran out to the car. I said, "Honey, we're home." She's like, what are you talking about? I said, Wait till you see what the lobby is like. Um, and it really is. It's just a great experience as a wrestling fan. Just uh, again, I can't stress enough. Even if it, WrestleMania could suck, I mean, they could, just, and they won't. But they could absolutely screw pooch on WrestleMania, and still, you will have a blast going to the weekend. I, I would almost guarantee you would just have a blast going there. Um, so check it out. Um, we have a new feature we're going to try out on the show. And um, here, here's the, the premise of, of this said feature that we're going to, uh, you know, well, let's, let's see if it flies. But you're watching something... On, on wrestling, you know, something happens or, or you read about something or, you know, and you just, you like it. You think it's cool and, and you don't kind of jump up and cheer for it. Just kind of sit there with a pensive look and you just nod to yourself. You give it just that nod of approval. Like that's, that's good stuff. And you nod to yourself. And maybe if you're with other people, you just kind of look at each other and you nod. And that's going to bring us to our new segment on the show. The Ken Reedy Show, not over the rule. Yeah! <laughs> All right. How about that, huh? Theme music and everything for the new segment. So we're going to talk about what we are going to give the nod of approval for this week in the world of professional wrestling. Dave, give it to me. What would you like for who or what? And that's just it also. This segment can be anything. It could be a storyline. It could be a performer. It could be a match. It could be a story you heard somewhere. It could be writing. Whatever you want, it will be the nod of approval. And if you have something you'd like to give the nod of approval, either call us at 347-838-9815, email me, or you know what, write it on the Facebook page. What gets your nod of approval? But I would like to hear from Dave. Dave, this week, in the world of professional wrestling, what are you giving the nod of approval to? 
you know, after watching uh, all the shows this week and reading all the uh, the stories and stuff that is online, I'm giving my nod of approval this week to the promoter who got stiffed by Psycho Sid Vicious at the uh, the uh, Pro Wrestling Syndicate show last week. Um, the other night, excuse me. Uh, Tony had touched on it, but Sid had called the promoter and, uh, you know, Tony lost his wallet, and then Sid ended up becoming a no-show. The promoter, on his part, went into the ring and announced to the people that he was uh, no longer, uh, you know, that Sid would not be able to appear on the show and that he no-showed. And he put... I guess they called he, the promoter had called Sid's phone in the ring live in front of the audience and put the phone on speaker and uh, let Sid know that the people, you know, and their approval that they weren't happy of it, that he pulled a no-show. And he gave out Sid's personal cell phone number to everybody in the audience. So... I'm assuming Sid probably had to change his number now because he probably had about 800 people at some VFW uh, <laughs> calling him randomly in the middle of the night or throughout the week or what have you, but, or throughout the couple of days. But uh, great for the promoter because you know what? You know he he, he put he, he puts a lot of work into uh, you know booking you know big name talent on an indie show because it's it's it can be hard sometimes to meet the demands of a lot of these uh, the guys who had been on TV before that are trying to get that, you know, uh, that one one last thrust into the spotlight, and it can be very demanding. And he was, he was very passionate about it, and, uh, you know, good for him. He gets, he gets mine out of approval this week. Uh, and I've heard some stories about Sid and how he can be very difficult um, to do business with um, as far as, uh, you know, getting deposits and uh, agreeing to, uh, you know, or, uh, agreeing to uh, appearing at certain shows, Um he has a little bit of a reputation. He had that reputation when he was working for, you know, Vince McMahon and uh, WCW, um, you know, wanting to appear. At one point, you know, it used to be a running joke with Sid. Every springtime, he would somehow come up with an injury where he'd be forced to, you know, not compete and appear on television. And it turns out he was, you know, he, he was an avid softball fan. And he would play softball in the springtime and be in a league in his local town where, wherever the fuck he lives. So, uh, you know, um, the, the, the promoter, I don't know who his name is, but, you know, he gets my not of approval. That takes some big balls because Sid's a scary-looking dude, and he's, he's a big guy. So, uh, you know, to, to uh, put him on speakerphone in front of a, a large audience and uh, give out his phone number to everybody in the audience, uh, that, 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 that's ballsy. You get my not of approval this week, pal, whoever you are. Yeah, and, that, and that's, you know, it, it's all situation i mean some of these promoters i mean you know the promoter that did uh you know the scott hall show uh, a few months back where hall showed up all fucked up on whatever drugs or painkillers or booze that he happened to be on you know and these promoters they they bank on the the star name and the star you know value the value of the name to to promote their shows and when yeah i mean you know the promoter with the scott hall incident got a lot of shit for it but it was like, you know, what what am I supposed to do? You know, he's he's demanding his money. He's, I mean, it's like, you know what? Fuck you. You you came you came here drunk. The world is going to see like what state you're in. Um, and yeah, for better, whether you agree I, with what he did or not, 
Um, yeah, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, he knew the condition he was in when he saw him in the dressing room. He, should, he, he had no business putting that guy out there, you know, regardless of how much money, you know, you gave him and how much money you're losing by him not appearing. That's just, you know, that 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 goes way beyond wrestling and ethics itself. That's that's real life. I wouldn't have done that. I, you know, I, would, I would eat the, you know, the, 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 the two or $3,000 or whatever he had to give him to just show up, you know what I mean? Because that's that's a that's a person's well-being and his and his life, you know. Granted, Scott Hall has made his own mistakes in the past, and you know, but that's just that's just not right at all. I wouldn't have done Agreed, that. Agreed. But, but what my point is that the promoters in a, in a tough spot, and you know these these indie promoters when they get guys in, you know these names are there to sell the event, and you know even like during the week, Matt Hardy was you know, put promos. On on YouTube uh, about getting in the ring, Sid. So, you know, they were kind of pushing this event uh, with Sid, and, and, you know, he knows shows. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's, we're talking more about big brass balls. Uh, that's ballsy. And, you know, the story got out there, and, you know, ultimately this, this really hurt Sid and, um, you know, his ability to, to find employment. Uh, you know what? You know it's a shame that Sid no shit like that. But uh, you're right. Good for the the uh, promoter for uh, you know taking it home that way. Uh, for myself, the non-approval this week, um, and it's kind of you know we just started this segment, so it's more cumulative uh, over the past few weeks. Um, and granted, I think the show this week was you know, not the greatest show, but I am going to give my nod of approval to Dave Lagana of TNA Creative, uh, replacing Vince Russo. Um, I, in a short time period, now you wonder, and I'm giving my nod of approval, you wonder, you know, what, who's changing what and who's got control over what and what what's going on. But, you know, like TNA's been putting on a, a pretty good show the past few weeks. I'm enjoying uh, TNA and, and, you know, like, it's not the same guys in the in the top match every week, and and you know I like what they're doing with Bobby Roode. Uh, Bully Ray is amazing, um, and like I said before, I to me when you're watching uh, WWE programming as of late, there's a few guys you're looking forward to seeing. You know, you watch Raw, you're kind of looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, what the Raw scene are going to do. I guess to a certain extent, you're looking, you know, you want to see how they further punk Jericho, um, and, and maybe you have, you know, it's a raw super show, so who knows who else is going to show up. But it's top heavy. Um, there's a lot of guys you just did, I don't know, it's it's tough getting into. Um, to me, when I watched TNA the past few weeks, uh, you get two solid hours of entertainment. I'm entertained for two hours. Uh, you know, the X Division is very good. The knockouts are very good. Um, I don't know. Wait, maybe I should scratch that. The knockouts are good. They're just very good. They're extremely good compared to what the WWE's done with the Divas. Um, but they put in any matches. Uh, you know, I, Eric Young provides some real good comic relief. Um, yeah, the tag division is, is better than the WWE. I just find myself kind of into it from beginning to end uh, more so than I am, you know, again, for the full two hours uh, with WWE programming. And, 
it's a short period of time, and again, you you know, you do wonder um, how much control and what he's changed and what he's influenced. But um, I got to say that for me, I'm giving uh, this week. Dave Lagana is getting uh, my nod of approval. Your thoughts? Um, I do believe I I, I agree with you. Um, TNA has been uh, you know I'm not, I haven't been the biggest fan of their product in recent years. Um, they've uh, a lot of things just haven't made sense. Some of the storylines they did, in particular, I know you talk about Eric Young being comic relief, and yeah, he could be funny at times. But if you remember those vignettes that they did where he was the TNA Television Champion, and he was in search to defend the title against a television star, and he went on the search for. Uh, Scott Bale, former, uh, you know, Charles and Charge star. And they do these vignettes, but it didn't lead to a match. It just led to the two of them, you know, you know, horsing around on a golf course, you know, in a, in a pre-taped segment. You know, that's that's wasting valuable television time for somebody who, you know, who's, who's dying to get on, you know, TV, you know, wrestling in the ring, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, stuff like that, but I, it's been solid. I will say it has been very solid. We've talked about it, you know, I think we talked about it recently on one of the shows where, you know, Jeff Hardy has shown some great strides and he's been solid with his in-ring work and he seems like he's on the right path. And Bobby Roode's been really good as a champion. The thing he's doing with Sting, I'm actually kind of liking. I don't like how Sting's gone back to that Joker character, um, or persona of his character, but um, I'm liking it. It's It's... As long as it's going to help Bobby Roode and not make Sting, you know, or try, you know, make put Sting in a favorable light. Um, you know, Billy Ray's been great on the microphone. Um, I'm kind of curious where they're going with the AJ Styles thing. Like, you know, what's Daniels holding over, uh, you know, Kazarian's head to force him to turn on AJ kind of thing. I don't know how that, you know, I don't know where that, where they're going with that. You know, Anderson returned. I've always been a big fan of Anderson, more so when he was Ken Kennedy in WWE. But um, as long as he doesn't try and act like Stone Cold, you know, Steve Austin, you know, and, and stick to his stick, um, you know, then, then that's cool with me. Oh, solid show overall. I like Joe and Magnus as a tag team. I think they're 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 great champions, and it's brought new life to the Samoa Joe character, and. Uh, it's been solid. They could they could do better, but it's been solid. I'm not scratching. I'm not watching their show and scratching my head every week, being like, Jesus Christ, what are they doing? You know, like I have been to the point where I didn't even watch a few shows, quite a quite a few shows. So I I would if I if, you know if I were uh, you know giving my nod of, another nod of approval, I would give it to the the show overall and the Dave Lagana, you know. So uh, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with your nod of approval this weekend. And by the way, the promoter, the indie promoter, his name is Pat Buck. Pat yeah, Buck well, from the Pro Wrestling Syndicate. <laughs> On that one. So Dave Lagana and Pat Buck this week. First time of the segment, they get... The Ken Reedy Show, Nah of Approval. That dramatic? That, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? It's amazing, but we've come to the end of another 
to our extravaganza. So, Dave, I'd like to thank you again, Tag Team Partner, as always. Thank you, sir, for adding your insight and opinions on the world of professional wrestling. Thank you for having me, buddy. It's always a pleasure. Remember, we are going to get ready for WrestleMania weekend. We're going to be, again, next Sunday, 6 to 8. Tune in, give us a buzz, talk about wrestling, and more details coming out shortly on our WrestleMania weekend show. It's going to be on that Saturday, and some guests hopefully will be scheduled, so tune in for details. I'm Ken Reedy. For Dave Rosenbluth, we are signing off. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care, everybody.